This is the Scottish Football Citizen, bringing you the best of Scottish football from the past. I'm Andy Kerr, and this week I'm joined by Robert Harvey as we take a look back at a significant round of New Year's Day derby matches from 1973. The New Year derby match. One of the biggest fixtures on the calendar for many years in Scotland, until recently, when the Premiership introduced a winter break in January, meaning that derby matches would be the last game before the turn of the year. However, the winter break has been scrapped this season due to the ongoing pandemic, and this means the return of proper New Year derby matches, with Hamilton Ackies hosting Motherwell, Dundee United playing Aberdeen at Pataudry, and Rangers playing Celtic at Ibrooks. In this episode, we're going to go back to have a look at some of these New Year's matches and relive the action, starting in Edinburgh. The Edinburgh Derby has been played between Heart of Midlothian and Hibernian since 1875, when Hearts beat Hibs 1-0 at East Meadows on Christmas Day. Since then, the two have played each other 650 times in total, and 325 times to date in competitive fixtures, with Hearts winning 143 times compared to Hibs winning 86 times. While both clubs have had their ups and downs, both teams have spent some time in the second year in recent times, the Edinburgh Derby is always one of the top fixtures in the country. It's easy to consider Hearts the dominant side in the Derby, but we're going to take a look back at a famous away win for Hibs on New Year's Day in 1973. On the 1st of January 1973, little Jimmy Osmond's long-haired lover from Liverpool was in the middle of a five-week stint at the top of the UK charts. This would only be toppled on the 21st of January by Sweet's glam rock hit Blockbuster, which was at number five, on the 1st of January. Slade's huge Christmas hit, Merry Xmas Everybody, was at number 3, and The Jean Genie by David Bowie was at number 4. The big releases in cinemas on the 1st of January were Jonathan Livingston Seagull, Paper Moon, Lost Horizon, and The Battle for the Planet of the Apes, which starred Roddy McDowell as Caesar the Ape. New Year's Day in 1973 was a momentous day for Britain as it joined the European Economic Community alongside Ireland and Denmark. The Guardian reported, Britain passed peacefully into Europe at midnight last night without any special celebrations. It was difficult to tell that anything of importance had occurred and the date which will be entered in the history books as long as histories of Britain are written was taken by most people as a matter of course. In Edinburgh, a momentous day that people wouldn't forget, or be allowed to forget by others in some cases, was about to occur. Hibs travelled across the city to Tynecastle to take on Hearts in the Derby match. This was to be the big game in Scotland that day, as the Old Firm Derby in Glasgow had been postponed due to an outbreak of flu in the Celtic team. 
Hibs had won their previous fixture that season against Hearts 2-0 at Easter Road. And while many all around the world would be wishing their neighbours old Lang Syne, the Jam Tarts would be looking to dish out revenge. The teams that day were Hearts Kenny Garland David Clooney Jim Jeffries Eddie Thompson Alan Anderson Wilson Wood Donald Park Jim Brown Donald Ford Eric Carruthers and Tommy Murray. The substitute was Andy Lynch. Hibbs Jim Herriot, John Brownlee, Eric Shadler, Pat Stanton, Jim Black, John Blackley, Alec Edwards, Jim O'Rourke, Alan Gordon, Alec Crockley and Arthur Duncan. The substitute was John Hamilton. A crowd of 35,989 were packed into Tyne Castle to watch the big match. Hearts would definitely be considered the underdogs in this match as they were up against the famous team of Turnbull's Tornadoes. Hibs were managed by Eddie Turnbull at this point, who had himself been a member of the 1950s Famous Five forward line comprising of himself, Willie Ormond, Bobby Johnston, Laurie Riley and Gordon Smith. A bona fide Hibernian legend, Turnbull had already collected the Triborough Cup and the Scottish League Cup in 1972 and had his sights on the top of the league, with Hibs two points behind Celtic and the knowledge that a win at Tynecastle could see them go top. Bobby Seath's Hearts team, by comparison, came into this match in 7th and were looking for a win and a bit of luck in the other games that afternoon to leapfrog Aberdeen and the two Dundee sides into fourth. The way Hibbs were playing though, his team would be facing a very stern test. At 3pm, John Gordon, the referee, blew his whistle and Hearts kicked off the game. Hibbs went forward first, but Hearts countered and Tommy Murray put the ball wide with a powerful shot. Donald Park then put another shot wide of Herriot who was protecting the goal at the school end of Tyne Castle. Hibbs then had their first chance to score from a corner, which went back to Shedler, who shot high and wide over Kenny Garland's goal. The breakthrough for Hibbs came soon afterwards, as a throw-in taken by Pat Stanton found Alan Gordon in the six-yard box, and he headed the ball back to Jim O'Rourke, who fired the ball deep into the heart's net. Nine minutes gone. And it was Hearts nil, Hibs won. Not long after this, in the 15th minute, Alec Edwards was able to play a high ball to Alan Gordon, who chested the ball down in the Hearts box and fired a shot past the helpless Garland. Hearts nil, Hibs 2. Despite their early lead, there was no slacking from the relentless tornadoes. Jim Jeffries was able to clear away a shot from Alec Edwards that looked to be going in. Hearts attempted to mount an attack, but Donald Ford was dispossessed and Hibbs took the ball up the park again. David Clooney attempted to get rid of the ball halfway inside his own half, 
but on the halfway line, the ball was intercepted by a green-white jersey, and suddenly, Arthur Duncan was racing in on the Hearts goal once again. Duncan shot just outside the Hearts box, and while Garland got a touch on the ball, he could do nothing to stop the shot rolling over the line into the net. With 26 minutes gone, it was Hearts nil, Hibs 3. Hibs continued to carve up the Hearts defence with slick, intricate passing that Brazilians would have been proud of. On television, the commentator remarked of Hibs' continental style and declared it fitting now the country was in the EEC. Halfway in the Hearts half, Alec Cropley picked the ball up and found Arthur Duncan on the wing, who supplied a cross that was booted away by Donald Ford. However, the ball fell straight to Alec Cropley, who fired the ball into the net once again. Hearts nil, Hibs four. The TV commentator remarked at this point, the 35th minute of the match, that if Hibs won by six clear goals, they would go top of the table. Celtic fans must have been starting to worry about their team's chances of keeping the top spot that night. Eric Shadler was fed the ball halfway inside the Hearts half and ran down the wing at the main stand side of the park, winning a corner after Alan Anderson was able to put the ball beyond the byline for Hearts. Cropley played a quick pass to a teammate and when given the ball back, fired a curling shot that was met by Arthur Duncan's head. While at first it seemed like the header was going wide, it bounced into the net and the Hibs fans were in dreamland. After 37 minutes of play, it was Hearts nil, Hibs 5. Just before the end of the half, Pat Stanton had a shot saved by Garland, proving they still wanted to inflict more misery on their rivals. Alec Edwards and Jim O'Rourke attempted a neat training ground move inside the Hearts box from a free kick just outside the area, but O'Rourke sclaffed the ball away and Gordon the referee blew for half-time. Hearts nil, Hibs 5. If Hibs got one more goal, they were going right to the top. Ted Brack noted in his book, The Game on New Year's Day, that Eddie Turnbull's half-time team talk was simple and effective. The former Hibs striker told his team, Have no sympathy for them. They'd have none for us. Go out and grind them into the dust. That's what they would do to you. And so, when the game restarted, Hearts substituted Eric Carruthers, bringing on Andy Lynch to try and find a foothold in the game. Despite Tommy Murray putting the ball into the Hibs net, the referee disallowed his goal due to a foul on Jim Herriot by Murray. Donald Ford had a shot at goal saved easily by Herriot, who also saved the resulting corner with ease. Hearts played the ball into the centre circle, but Pat Stanton intercepted a loose pass and took the ball all the way to the Hearts box, shooting at goal. With Garland and the defence beaten by the slide rule nature of the shot, it was an easy tap-in for Jim O'Rourke. While he probably didn't need to put the ball in himself, his manager's words were probably still ringing in his ears from half-time and he made sure that Hibs had the cushion they badly wanted. 56 minutes gone. And the scoreline read, Hearts nil, Hibs 6. The game settled down for a while. 
but in the 75th minute Hibbs really hammered home the emphatic nature of their win. Eric Shadler took the ball along his left wing and found Arthur Duncan just as Donald Park was about to force him off the ball. Duncan's cross was met perfectly by Alan Gordon in the Hearts box and the ball was in the net once again. It really was a rout. Hearts nil, Hibs 7. The referee's whistle couldn't come quickly enough for the Jambos who had had the day from hell inflicted upon them by their fierce rivals. For Hibs though, it was one of their greatest days ever beating their rivals by seven goals without reply to go top of the table by virtue of two goals. Ask any Hibs fan what their favourite derby match is, and even those who were born long after the match took place will often say, the 7-0. Elsewhere in Scotland on that day, the results in the first division were Aberdeen 1, Dundee 3. Air United 1, Kilmarnock 1, Dundee United 5, St Johnston 1, East Fife 2, Arbroath 0, Motherwell 2, Airdrionians 0, Partick Thistle 0, Rangers 1. An eventful day in the first division for sure. The second division also had its fair share of excitement on that day, including an often overlooked Glasgow derby between Queen's Park and Clyde. Queen's Park, formed in 1867, are Scotland's oldest football club and up until 2019 remained amateur, turning professional that year. Giants of the Victorian game, the Spiders have won the Scottish Cup ten times. Clyde were formed in 1877 and while they are now based at Broadwood Stadium in Cumbernauld, they were founded on the banks of the River Clyde and played for most of their history at Shawfield. With less than two miles between Hamden and Shawfield, the two clubs developed a rivalry that still exists to this day. And while one division separates the two clubs this season, fans of the teams will be hoping to rekindle their rivalry with each other soon. Here, our own Robert Harvey has memories of one particular derby where as a young player he stepped out onto the Hamden pitch to play in what he describes as the biggest derby in world football. On Monday the 1st of January 1973, Clyde travelled a short distance from Shawfield Stadium to play Queen's Park at Hamden Park. It was a Glasgow derby. I was still a schoolboy and had recently signed an S forum with Clyde. But on Hogman A, the Clyde manager, Archie Robertson, had told me that I would be playing due to injuries to a few of the senior players. This was a big deal making my first team debut. The previous week I had been playing for my school's team, but now I was going to Hamden on New Year's Day. If Clyde could win this game, we would go top of the old Scottish second division. There was 19 teams in the league, including very strong teams like Dunfermline, St Mirren, Hamilton Ackies, 
Clydebank and Wraith Rovers. Every team had good players and the league was very competitive. But Clyde were also a very strong team, with players like Dom Sullivan, who later played for Aberdeen and Celtic, Brian Ahern, who went on to play over 400 games for Clyde, Willie McVie, who later played for Hearts and Motherwell, and many other good professional footballers. But maybe the best player of all was Danny McGrain. He was the youngest captain ever for Clyde, aged just 19 years old. What a player he was. He could pass, tackle and had a fierce will to win. He was a midfield player in the Billy Bremner style of playing football. But tragically, Danny's career was cut short due to a serious head injury. It was such a loss to Scottish football. The manager at Clyde was Archie Robertson. He was a legend of the club. To this day, he is still the only Clyde player to have played for Scotland in the World Cup finals while still a Clyde player. He played in the 1958 World Cup in Sweden. Archie is also the only player to have scored a goal direct from a corner kick in the Scottish Cup final. This happened in the last few minutes of the 1955 Cup final, Clyde v Celtic. The game ended in a one-each draw. The referee was a wonderfully named Charlie Faultless. It was the first ever Scottish Cup final to be televised. And by the magic of modern technology, you can still watch a few minutes of the highlights from this game, including Archie's goal on YouTube. Clyde beat Celtic 1-0 in the replay to win the Cup. Three years later, in 1958, and with Archie still on the team, they beat Hibs 1-0 to win the Scottish Cup again. When he was a manager, he used to join in with us in games during training, and he was still the best player on the pitch. He also had a full-time job away from football. He was a science teacher at Hunter High in East Kilbride. One of his pupils was a young Ali McCoist. Walking into the dress room at Hamden with my boots under my arms was quite an experience. There was huge varnished wooden lockers to store your clothes. Many of the world's greatest footballers would have changed here pre-match. Players like Pele, Di Stefano, Puskas, Stanley Matthews, George Best, Franz Beckenbauer, Bobby Charlton, John Charles, Gerd Müller and Johan Cruyff and many, many more of the world's greats. It was a place full of football memories. Today, a section of the old Hamden restroom room is still preserved in the Football Museum at Hamden and you can see it as part of a guided tour. It was such a unique experience to be in a dressing room pre-match to watch and learn how the experienced players prepared for a game. It was a bit different to what I was used to playing over the public parts most Saturdays. And you listen, really listen when the manager talks. Clyde had a reputation for being a good passing team and the ball had to keep moving. He kept stressing this to every player. Queen's Park, who are nicknamed the Spiders, 
had a strong team in the early 1970s with players like Malky Mackay, Eddie Hunter and John McLaughlin. It is a club with a rich and unique history. It also has a reputation for producing some wonderful players, including names like Ronnie Simpson, Sir Alec Ferguson, Andy Roxburgh, goalkeeper Bobby Clark, Lawrence Shankland and current Scotland national team captain Andy Robertson. Jack Harkness also played for Queen's Park. He was a goalkeeper in the famous Wembley Wizards team when Scotland beat England 5-1 at Wembley. Later, he became a sports journalist and wrote for the Sunday Post newspaper for many years. As kickoff was approaching, it was a nervous time, but all the experienced players were very supportive. If you get stuck, just give the ball to me, they said. And the manager just told me to concentrate on my strengths. Once the referee had checked the boots, it was time to leave the dress room and get onto the pitch. The adrenaline kicks in and who knows what is about to happen in any game of football. The floodlights were on for this New Year's Day game. The crowd, about a few thousand, were noisy and crammed into the south stand. The old Hamden was a thing of beauty. The game opened at a very fast pace and much quicker than anything I had experienced before. The Hamden part was huge. I had never played on a pitch so wide. Then, after 15 minutes, I hit a shot on a half volley from 30 yards at the Rutherglen end of the ground. It was one of those shots that could have landed up in Kings Park Avenue, but it didn't. It flew past the Queen's goalkeeper, who I think was John Taylor, and ended up in the back of the net. It was like every schoolboy's dream scoring at Hamden. Queen's equalised through Mackay from the penalty spot, but Peter Boyle scored two more goals to give Clyde a 3-1 New Year's Day victory. Peter had signed from Larkall Thistle and was a good goal scorer. A few years later, he emigrated to Australia and was capped by the Australian national team. Clyde went top of the league that New Year's Day and stayed there for the rest of the season. They only lost three games all season and finished four points ahead of Dunfermline to secure promotion to the top division in Scotland as champions. It was to be the last spell the club had in the top flight. A few years later, in 1975, Scottish football changed forever with the introduction of the Premier League. I don't recall all the details of the game, but I still remember the emotion. After the game, I was exhausted, but it was a very happy new year. One final comment, and this says everything about Clyde Football Club and the manager Archie Robertson. I did not know this at the time, but they had invited a few guests to Hamden to watch the game. It was a gentleman named Jack McLaughlin, who was my school teacher and the manager of our school football team, and George Campbell, who was the secretary of the Fernhill amateur football team 
that I also played for. They gave me support in so many ways. Football always needs unselfish people like Jack and George. And they would have been so surprised that I could score a goal from 30 yards. Thank you for listening to this New Year's edition of the Scottish Football Citizen. On behalf of everyone at Football Memories Scotland, we would like to wish you all a very happy new year. Subscribe to us on your favourite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And join us in 2021 when we'll be looking back at more of the best of Scottish football from the past. The Scottish Football Citizen is written edited and produced by Andy Kerr for Football Memories Scotland in association with Alzheimer Scotland and the Scottish Football Museum. Additional contributions from Robert Harvey, Jim Orr and Richard McBrearty. Additional material from The Game on New Year's Day, Hearts Nil, Hibs 7 by Ted Brack and The Guardian.